So you want to start a podcast. You feel like it's what God's putting on your heart to do, but you have no idea where to go from there. Anchor.fm is what I used to edit and to put this podcast out to you each and every week. So if you feel like that's on your heart, you don't know where to start and you want something super easy, go to anchor.fm and get started today. Welcome to season 13 of the Anchor by the Sword podcast. I cannot wait for you to hear the freedom story of the individual in today's podcast episode. I pray that it will leave you encouraged and it will also lead you to a closer relationship with God. Please share this with whoever you think needs to hear this message today. And thank you for your continued support and for listening and being with me for almost three years now. So God bless and let's do this. Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of the Anchor by the Sword podcast. I am joined today by Aaron Burke and I'm so excited to get to learn more about him, for you guys to learn more about him and for us to also talk about his book that came out recently, The Unfair Advantage. Thank you, Aaron, for joining me today. I am so honored to be with you. So excited to be part of this conversation. Absolutely. Can you tell my listeners more about yourself? Yeah. So um, 16 years old, got radically saved. My life got transformed by God and called into ministry and uh, got went to college, went on a mission field for a couple of years and served there and then became a youth pastor, started some businesses and got married and uh, got married in 2010, just celebrated 13 years of marriage. And my wife and I have five um, amazing kids. The crazy thing about our family is that our first was born in July. 25 months later, our second was born in August. 25 months later, our third was born in September. 25 months later, our fourth was born in October. And 25 months later, almost to the day, our fifth was born in November. Oh I'm a planner. So I plan these <laughs> yes. things. So um, <laughs> It's been it's been a joy of our life raising the kids. And we uh we moved to Tampa in 2013 with a dream in our heart of starting a church that would reach people far from God and really help not just reach them, but disciple them in God's word and raise them up. And um we've just been experiencing incredible favor and blessing and um, opening our ninth location in the Tampa Bay area in just a few weeks. So God's hand has been on it in an incredible way. Wow. That's all exciting. Um, that was definitely a planning thing for them to be born <laughs> like that. Wow. I don't have children of my own, but I have nephews and three out of the five are December babies. Oh, and wow. Then one's in March, one's in September. So you know, you have yours every, uh, every month or so we all go broke in December. So <laughs> <laughs> my wife and I are both December kids. So we, uh, we know that world and it's, uh, you know, as long as you don't confuse our birthdays with Christmas, we just need to make sure there are gifts for each one as the rule. Right. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. So before you became a Christian at 16, what was your um, upbringing like? So I was, I was raised in a Christian home. My parents were actually the first Christians in their family um, line, which is wow. uh, pretty remarkable. Um, and so uh, they were there. I, I was raised really well by them, but just went through a really hard season. My dad had some um, really 
tough addiction issues. It was handed down generation after generation. And um, so he was in and out of treatment programs, trying to live for the Lord, but at the same time, a um, lot of money, a lot of um, addiction issues. And and that kind of put me on a tailspin and just kind of got angry with God, angry with, with so much happening and took me a few years of just really making some really poor decisions. And then God radically got a hold of my life. So um, if there are parents listening and you're going, man, my teenagers, I don't know if they're ever going to turn around. Let me just tell you, you keep doing what God's told you to do. You keep investing in them. It's amazing what the Lord will do. He, you know, it's it's we're planting seeds that only God can harvest. Um, so our job is to plant the seeds. God grows it. And mm -hmm. so my mom, who I credit so much of uh, my life too is is and, and my dad too he's such a great person I mean God's really changed his life also but mm -hmm. they just kept planting seeds they kept having me in the church they kept teaching me God's word they kept worship they they showed me how to give they they lived in that kind of way and um and so that's you know I think of I think of Timothy you know with his Lois and Eunice you know he, he had he had the legacy of behind him and I'm sure Timothy had those years where he was a crazy teenager too but <laughs> Lois and Eunice kept believing and kept investing. So um, for those parents that are distraught, just want you to know that was that was my mom and dad for a while and God got a hold of my life. Oh, you know what? That that speaks to me too. So, and I'm an, like I said, I'm an aunt. So that'll speak to a lot of people who are dealing with um, those kind of situations at this point. Then you also said you were in the mission field. Where were you mm -hmm. at? Yeah. So 2005, I graduated from college. And the crazy story in all of this is that I got saved at 16. At 17, I got expelled from my local Christian school, which is a whole nother story I outlined in the book. Uh -huh. But when I got expelled, I got so depressed, so frustrated. Um, and I didn't want to go to the public school. So I ended up doing dual enrollment, which is like a you get college courses while you're in high school. Mm -hmm. So I graduated high school with a year of college done. Mm -hmm. Again, I never would have had that happen if I didn't get expelled. And uh, so I finished my college in three years instead of four years because I had our year already done. Mm -hmm. On the day of graduation, uh, the director of our missions department comes up and says, we have an opportunity in Sri Lanka, which is an island off the coast of India. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so that the tsunami had just happened that mm. um, really devastated the island at the end of 2004. Yeah. So I was there six months later um, and um, I got asked to be there. And so I jumped on a plane just a few weeks after graduation, left everything, had nothing holding me down. Mm -hmm. And I looked back and saw, man, what the providence of God that I got expelled. It was wrong. It was terrible. But even God used that to get me into college earlier so that he could get me on the mission field and serve there for years. And actually we still have projects all over the Island. Um, mm -hmm. um, and so we, I, I pre COVID years, I went there three times a year. Now it's about once a year. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I remember when those tsunamis hit or that tsunami hit, I remember how devastating that was to that area. I was mm -hmm. in the mission field myself. I went to Venezuela back in 99. So wow. yeah, that was, wow. That was an interesting experience. And I would have, I, that was when I was growing up, that was the area I wanted to adopt from, or when I was, you know, at that age, you know, I was 20. So I wasn't ready to adopt at 20, but right, I wanted right. to, but they've never had open doors for the yeah. United States to be able to adopt. And now the country like, oh, it breaks my heart. 
every it's time very I see devastating it. to see what is there and you you see the need and you go I could help but yeah you know, and you just got to trust that, man, maybe God's got some other plan, but man, it's, yeah. it's really sad to see what's happened there. It is absolutely. Um, so now you said you're about to open your ninth church location. Yeah. Ninth around the Tampa Bay area. And mm-hmm. uh, all of this was just totally a, a miracle. When we started the church, we never planned on, we didn't even care if the church grew. We just wanted mm-hmm. to create a place that just made disciples and um, reached people who were far from Christ and served our city and, and the church just kept growing and growing and growing. And so we launched a second location about four years in, and then every year since then, we've launched another campus, including COVID year. Like when everybody was shutting down, we were launching campuses and obviously yeah. with, we were, we were making sure we were cautious and stuff, but it's, yeah. it's such a joy. And, uh, I'll tell you the it's, it's been a unique, um, uh, thing to try to tackle the idea of being a church that reaches people who don't know Christ yet. And at the same time, being a church that disciples people who are believers and, Mm -hmm. and it's not one or the other, you know, most churches go one extreme or the other. And we're like, I think we can do both at the same time. I think Jesus modeled it very well. Mm -hmm. And so we've been doing that and, um, and it's been, it's been a fun journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The church I belong to, we, uh, we do giveaways every month. We do food and clothing drives. And I mean, to be a part of that, like my husband and I, we take food to somebody every month. And that's kind of, we've been doing that for years. And even when we weren't a part of the church, they still let us do it. It was such a blessing. And just seeing, just seeing the hands of Jesus, you know, the hands and feet of Jesus moving in that way. So, yeah. It's amazing. The church is a beautiful thing when it's done God's way. Correct. Yep. And there's that part too. Absolutely. (laughs) So your new book, The Unfair Advantage, let's start talking about it. What was your inspiration behind this book? You know, it was a few years back. I was in a season of prayer and fasting, praying Mm -hmm. um, in a moment of uh, one of the girls that was on our staff. She's been kind of a daughter to me, someone that's Mm -hmm. uh, been in, she was in my youth group and then came to help us plant the church. And she'd been through some tragedies in her life, a terrible Mm -hmm. divorce that her parents walked through, some abuse in her life, a lot of struggles. And in that, I just, I was praying over her and I kept saying, it's unfair. It's unfair what you went through. It's unfair, the divorce. It's unfair how you've been overlooked. It's unfair how you've been forgotten. Mm -hmm. And all of this moment, I just sat there and I paused for just a second and I felt the Holy Spirit speak. And I felt it said like this, it's unfair, Aaron, but it's for her advantage. Mm. And that's, I took that, that my little notepad out and I wrote it down. And I wrote down that phrase, the unfair advantage that there is an ability with Christ as Christ followers Mm -hmm. to leverage every unfair situation in our life for a greater purpose. And Mm -hmm. I just, I realized that two people can go through the exact same scenario that's tragic, whether mm-hmm. that's a loss of a child, um, the the loss of a job, a, a terrible health diagnosis. Two people can go through the same thing. And because of decisions made during that, one of them can get better, closer to the Lord, walking in their purpose. One of them can get bitter, pulls away from, from their relationship with the Lord, you know, just disconnected. And I realized it all matters on what we do during those seasons. So mm-hmm. I looked at the life of Joseph and realized, man, Joseph is a prime example because he's so many of our stories mm-hmm. of times where we have to make decisions to say, 
What are we going to do when life is not turning out the way we wanted it to turn out? Yeah. And how are we going to react? What's our attitude going to be? So I'll outline seven of them in the life of Joseph. And there's seven of them that I went through. I would suggest that probably everybody's been through these seven sometime mm -hmm. in their life. And we got to learn how to handle them well so that we can walk into the purpose that God has for us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Can we do, for those who haven't seen the book yet, can we do a quick yep. highlight of those seven? Yeah. So um, uh, the, the book outlines basically seven different um, seasons of his life. So mm -hmm. we start with, uh, I call it the discouraged dreamer. Mm -hmm. So this is a, this is the time that you have a dream from God, but nothing's happening mm -hmm. and nobody else believes in it. What's our unfair advantage in that? And I talk about how Joseph dreamed again, and he kept believing God. The second one is the redirected reject. It's what do you do when people reject you? Mm -hmm. The job rejects you. The, the, the situation that you really put your hope in rejects you. And I talk about how God uses rejection to redirect our life into something better. It's mm -hmm. hard and nobody likes rejection. Nobody likes being right. told no. I think, of, I think of you in this scenario, you're talking about with Venezuela. You're like, but this is what I wanted. And the, the government said, no. So what do we do when rejection happens? Mm -hmm. And I said this phrase that rejection happens to the best of us, but it doesn't have to get the best of us. And I want to show people how to walk free from that. Then going to the wageless worker. Now Joseph is sold off. He's in slavery, working at Potiphar's house. If I was in slavery, I'm going to like, you ain't putting me to work. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to cut corners. I'm going to mm -hmm. barely do anything. I ain't getting paid. Mm -hmm. um, but Joseph did the opposite. He said the Lord was with him and he prospered every area of Potiphar's house. So mm -hmm. I think that's interesting. He learned how to work hard, even though he wasn't getting paid for it. Mm -hmm. And if we can learn when we're, uh, you know, undervalued, underpaid, if we can learn to give our best, it's an unfair advantage because then God promotes you, which is mm -hmm. way better than you promoting yourself. It's like, the, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like your podcast, you know, you're like, I, I, I'm not pushing this thing. I just want God to do it. And what does he do? He blows it up. He, yeah. he makes it, goes everywhere. So there's something about bringing excellence and work ethic um, that honors the Lord. So I talk about the uh, wageless worker. We get into the seduced saint. That's the fourth one. The seduced saint is where Joseph is now uh, seduced by Potiphar's wife. Y'all know the story, um, but he chooses integrity and integrity mm -hmm. is a game changer in our world today. Doing the right thing when nobody's looking because they know that God is looking and, mm -hmm. and Joseph makes a crucial decision and integrity is an unfair advantage. It's unfair that we can't do whatever we want um, on this planet, we can't just do whatever makes us feel good. We feel it's unfair, but if you honor God, it's for your advantage. Um, mm -hmm. The fifth one is the oppressed opportunist. Opportunist. This is when Joseph is in prison, and um, it's the craziest story. Okay, this is one of the big revelations of the book. Is Joseph is in prison for about ten years? So seventeen, he gets the dream. Um, three years, he's working at Potiphar's house gets wrongfully accused. And then for 10 years, he's in prison. And I started thinking about it going, why God, why did you have him in prison for so long? Mm -hmm. Then I started investigating the prison systems of ancient Egypt. This was mind blowing to me that prison did not exist back in those times. Mm -hmm. Like if you were in different parts of the world, if you did something wrong, they killed you. Like that was the reality. But in Egypt, it was amazing. They had a prison system and their whole job 
was to reprogram and re-educate their prisoners. Mm. So if you went into prison, you actually enrolled in the fact that you were going to get educated nonstop. Well, wow. that's not, that's every prison in Egypt, but they actually have proof that some of the most highline prisons were some of the best education system. Well, we know Joseph was in the same prison that Pharaoh's officials went to. Mm-hmm. So he would have been best. So you got to think about this. God sent Joseph to school for 10 years to learn the culture of where he wanted him to rule 10 years later. Mm. So we always, you know, God forgot about him. I would say, no, God put him there because he was from hundreds of miles away. Where would he have learned the language, the culture, how to lead Egyptians? Like that's a different world. Mm-hmm. Joseph learned it in the prison. So I talk about in your prison season, there's opportunities for you to learn and grow. And uh, so that's the press opportunity. It's two more, the forgotten faithful. You know, we got the cupbearer who says, I'm going to remember you when I stand before Pharaoh. And the cupbearer forgets them. What do you do when you feel forgotten? And I think this is where you just got to lean into trusting God, that you're mm-hmm. forgotten by man, but you're forged by God. God's still doing a deep work. Mm-hmm. And then the last one was such an interesting one because Joseph then gets promoted. He's second in command over all of Egypt. And do you know how many jobs they gave Joseph to do as second in command over all of Egypt? One. One job. You only have one job. You are to store up the grain and you're to prepare for the famine. If I was Joseph, I'd go, that's unfair. I've been waiting 13 years for this. Give me more opportunities. But Joseph knew something that's an unfair advantage. We all have limits. We can't do everything. So your ability to recognize your limitation is directly connected to your ability to walk in the purpose of God for your life. So those are the seven unfair advantages that I outline in the book and give you some real keys throughout it of how to walk in um, and all that God has during each of those seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think all of us, like you said before, all of us can see ourselves in at least one of those seasons or have seen ourselves in those seasons. And I think that'll really help somebody uh, today as they continue to walk through the dream that God has given them, or they're starting to figure out what that dream is because it's just in the very beginning. And I know you, from your standpoint, me from mine, that there's a start somewhere and you don't know where it's going to end up, but the next step is what you just need to do. Absolutely. And the next step, by the way, most of the time is difficult. Mm-hmm. And it's painful. You talk to anybody that has done anything significant for God. It's painful. You've gone through painful seasons. And um, what I realized in this book and writing this and researching this is people said, how do you discover God's purpose for your life? I was taught that you look at two things. You look at your personality and you look at your passion. Mm-hmm. So how are you made up? Because God designed you with your purpose in mind. So you look at your personality mm-hmm. and then you look at your passions. What's that thing that makes you come alive? That's directly connected to your purpose. Mm-hmm. And I researching this book thought we're missing the third one. It's not just personality and passions that show you your, your purpose. It is your personality, your passions, and your pain. Mm-hmm. All three of them directly connect to the ultimate purpose that God has for your life. Because every bit of pain that you go through as a believer is uh, for a greater purpose. And um, 
I I tell our church, my church often, that being a Christian does not exempt you from pain. What it does is it, it exempts you from pain without purpose. Mm-hmm. So every little bit of pain you have, there is a reason on the other side. Sometimes we won't get it and understand it until we get to heaven. And that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I know when you were talking about one of those situations, my sister-in-law lost her son and mm. she's just struggled um, with it since. And, you know, we've all struggled with it in one way or another. And so it's hard to know what to say to someone who's experienced that. What would you say to them? Well, I think it's it's a little cheap in those moments to just say, hey, it's all going to work out for good, you know, right. because that person's grieving. They're dealing with the worst of the worst that you can imagine. Losing a child or losing a spouse or losing a job. You know, when we deal with that, it's really, really hard. Yeah. I have found the best um, the best thing to do when anybody's going through a terrible time is one, to just be there mm-hmm. and to remind them that God is with them. Mm-hmm. So just looking at it through Joseph's perspective, you look, and if you read through his story, it's remarkable how many times the phrase, the Lord was with him. Mm-hmm. The Lord was with him. So when I, uh, when people go through trials and tragedies, I go, I know right now that your life feels it's devastating, mm-hmm. but I want you to know, I have full confidence. The Lord is with you. You know, the Bible is very clear. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Right. So, you know, I mean, it is true. I think God can use it for the good. I do think there's a testimony on the other side. I do think there's ministry on the other side. Mm-hmm. At the same time, when you're going through it right now, all they need to know is where's God. Right. And my thing is, is God's right with you. He's healing you. And one day, now it might be years in the future, but one day someone's going to walk up to your sister-in-law or whatever scenario people are going through. And they're going to go, how did you get through that unbelievable trial? And they're going to be able to say, God was with me. I felt mm-hmm. his presence. So I would encourage you, if you're, if maybe you're even listening right now and you just feel like, man, it's, it's devastating what I'm going through. Lean into God's presence. Lean into the fact that God can heal you. Find companionship from God that we normally look for in other people. And watch how God will do a good work in you. And his presence will bring you healing. Mm-hmm. Amen. That will definitely help some people today. When you have gone through your own trials, your own pain, uh, what verses keep you anchored? Wow. Well, um, the one in Psalm definitely keeps me anchored. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He, mm-hmm. you know, he's with those who are crushed in spirit. That's a big one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the anchor verse for this entire book is Genesis 50, 20. You know, it's mm-hmm. you intended to harm me. But mm-hmm. God intended it for the good. Mm-hmm. And that's just a beautiful idea because when we look at intentions, you know, we're very good at judging people's intentions, you know, right. like intended this and we we always are against their intentions. We always think they're the worst. Um, but he looks right at his brothers and says, y'all intended to, to hurt me. Mm-hmm. But God had a plan. And even through your hurt, there's a purpose on the other side. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I... I shared earlier how I got expelled from school. It was wrong. I was I was in the wrong. I was a bad kid before that. And I created some terrible patterns. 
that um, then when I got saved, uh, the principal didn't believe I had changed. And so there's a bunch of stuff. But I really think about like, I'm like, that guy has no clue that what he intended to harm me, God used it for the good. And mm-hmm. you know, if I can't tell him now, I'd give him a big old hug and a kiss on the cheek because I'd be <laughs> so happy because everything significant in my life happened because I got expelled from school. And I look at it going, it's just crazy. Um, every time that I was rejected from a job or, you know, something, some door closed, it was God's way of going, I've got something better for you. Mm-hmm. So I just encourage people here today, like lean into that idea that we can trust God. We mm-hmm. really can. And we can trust God's timing because what he wants to do in your life is probably going to take longer than you want it to take, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's going to be better than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That is actually one of my life verses too, is Genesis awesome. fifty twenty. Yeah. I remember somebody, um, this was many years ago, had this bracelet and um, it was made out of bullets from a civil war over in one of the African countries. I can't remember which one it was off the top of my head, but yeah, the bracelet was made of bullet fragments and then it had a bar on it that said Genesis 50, 20. And I remember that that, you know, it's like, wow, these bullets represent the worst of something and then in the mm. middle there's that verse to remind you that so, is so good yeah such a great reminder so where can people find you where can people get your book all the things um, well first of all just thank you for for uh even this this platform and for using it Absolutely. for god's glory um you can find any information about me i'm i, I do have a website aaronburg.com um, and it's just a way to get connected. Uh, but I'm on social media. Obviously, I'm on Instagram and TikTok and all those things. I don't, <laughs> I don't worry about it, but I mean, I'm there. But um, <laughs> it's Aaron R. Burke. So Aaron R. Burke. But you can get the book anywhere books are sold. Um, it's at Barnes and Noble, Amazon. And um, it's on, on Audible. And I've heard, had a lot of people listen to that. So mm-hmm. um, which that's a painful thing for me to listen to because it's weird to hear your own voice back. But that's yeah. Uh, but I really, it's so cool. The books, um, you know, it, it just came out and it's unbelievable just seeing, um, how people's have connected with it and they're mm-hmm. being encouraged. So, um, I hope your listeners get it, go through it with it, maybe a small group together and, um, and then send me some feedback on, on how it spoke to you. Um, because I really do think it'll help you, um, turn all those unfair scenarios you're in. Uh, for your advantage of what the Lord wants to do through your life. So I'd love for you to grab the book. Amen. And guys, go out and grab his book today. Go follow him. Thank him for coming on the podcast. And I will talk to you guys next episode. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. I pray that each of you will take something from this episode, that you will be challenged, that you will be encouraged in your walk with God. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review so that other people can find this and other people can listen to the stories of God's redemption. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you next episode.